Did you know that the persecution of Christians in our nation is increasing exponentially in the military, in the classroom, in the workplace, and in the public arena? For a powerful and sobering presentation about this crisis, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. The theme of our 2019 annual Bible conference was Contending for the Faith. The keynote speaker was Kelly Shackelford, who is the founder and president of the largest law firm in America that is devoted entirely to the defense of religious liberty. The firm is located in Plano, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, and it is named First Liberty Institute because it is devoted to protecting the religious liberty that is promised to Americans and the First Amendment to our Constitution. Our audience at the conference was aghast as Kelly presented a sweeping overview of the rapidly increasing persecution of Christians in the military, the classroom, the workplace, and the public arena. Kelly made it very clear that we are in the midst of a culture war in which the opponents of Christianity are determined to eradicate as many Christian liberties as possible. Here now, speaking in behalf of our religious liberties, is Kelly Shackelford. talk about something that might surprise a lot of you, which is um, I, what I'm going to talk about tonight. It's the most exciting time in everybody in here's entire life when you understand what is happening in this country with religious freedom. So you hear a lot of bad news, get ready for some good news because God is at work. Um, so let me, let me start with the basics. The basics, uh, what is First Liberty? First Liberty is the largest legal organization in the country that all we do is religious freedom. So if you're a fifth grade boy by the name of Giovanni Rubio, and you're told you can bring any book you want to free reading time at school, and then you bring your favorite book, your Bible, and you're told you can't have religious books at school, and you're a poor family, and you live outside of Miami-Dade, what do you do? I mean, you get $100,000 out of the bank and go hire a team of attorneys. Uh, that's why we exist. We came in so that we could represent Giovanni and his family, so that when we won the case, which we did, we don't just win for Giovanni and his family, but we set a precedent that protects all of our children and our grandchildren. And that's the best quick summary I can give you for what First Liberty does. How did I get involved in this? Back, back when I was in high school, I knew my gifts were in analytical thinking and speaking, and I thought, well, I either need to be a pastor or a lawyer. And people said, that's like a God or Satan uh, choice, isn't it, between a pastor and a lawyer? And I analyzed my, G and, uh, my DNA, and I, and I looked, and I thought, you know, I'd probably do better at dispensing justice rather than mercy, so I'd probably make a better lawyer than a pastor. And I went to law school and uh, got out, clerked for a federal judge. When you do that, you sort of research, write opinions, you do that for one year, and then you get, uh, because you've had a unique perspective, all the big law firms would give you really nice offers to come work for their law firm because you understand what it's like to be on the other side of the bench. You know what it's like to, to you know, not to watch people that are 
arguing so, so strongly that they're losing their credibility, that are filing things they shouldn't file, that all this. And so I had all these nice offers, and I sat in my little clerk's office, and I thought, Lord, I just feel like I'd suffocate if I went and did a regular law job. And uh, I remember thinking, well, what do, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, I want to use my legal skills because I feel like you've shown me I should do that, but I want to help pastors and churches, religious freedoms and our founding principles, and I'd even like to go to seminary part-time if I could. And I laughed because there was no job, paying job to do any such thing. And about two weeks later, two lawyers from major law firms, I'd never met these guys, called me out of the blue. They said, will you go to lunch? And I said, sure. And they said, look, we started donating our time for religious freedom. We're getting so many calls now, it's hurting our ability to make a living. But we heard about you and we were wondering, would you be willing to come on, do legal cases, help pastors, churches, religious freedoms, and our founding principles? And you can even go to seminary part-time if you want to. <laughs> now, being in my mid-20s, maybe a little immature in my faith, I said, let me pray about it. Like that wasn't an answer to prayer. And uh, the next morning I said yes, and uh, they said, how much you need to live on? And I was making 28000 as a, a clerk for a federal court, and these guys started pitching in out of their pocket. And that was um, 30, almost exactly 30 years ago. And 30 years later, First Liberty is now the largest legal organization in the country that all we do is religious freedom. So... I, I had no idea where this country was going, but God did, you know? And a lot of times we encourage our kids, don't go into that area. That's dark. That's a dark area. That's a tough area. That's exactly where we need to take the light. And so I guarantee you there are a lot of kids out there right now that are trying to figure out what they're supposed to do, and there's about to be a job created for them that doesn't even exist now because God has a mission for them in this country. And, uh, and my, my example is one of millions of believers across our country, uh, people who have given up on our country. Uh, they don't know God. Uh, you know, there's no reason to give up because we've had a lot of revivals in this country. And uh, the truth is always more powerful than the darkness. Uh, so, so I think great things are ahead. Uh, but I, I want to start with some basics because everybody in here, because of what Lamb and Line Ministry is, you automatically know why religious freedom, yes, religious freedom is very important. It's something I really do care about because it's the only hope for people to hear the truth. But I want to go a little deeper about what if you're not even a person of faith? Should you care about this? And so let's start with a video by a guy who doesn't even know the Lord. If somebody uh, told us that we were going to be crawling through barbed wire fences and escaping and moving across the ocean to America, everybody would have said, that's absolutely silly, that'll never happen. If they'd caught, let's say, a politician who opposed them, they put him on trial, but the evidence might have been presented, but you know, the outcome was a foregone conclusion. So they had total control of you. That's how a dictatorship is run. My father was, first of all, uh, very patriotic, had uh, strong beliefs in democracy. The people that he helped were, if not friends, very good acquaintances. 
he knew they were going to get killed. So when he got arrested, my mother got arrested and my brother who was eight years older got arrested. So my whole family except me were in jail. Uh, then my father would, would have been executed, but my mother managed to bribe the judge. He got sent to concentration camp in lieu of that, where he was you know, beaten, uh, not fed, I mean, basically tortured. As soon as he escaped, his name was on the radio all the time, and he was one of the most wanted people. There was a, a secret service sitting in our front hallway all the time. As you study history, one needs to be vigilant all the time because you cannot take anything for granted. When uh, you start losing freedoms, it is more than likely that it'll keep on chipping away. The opportunities we have, the ability to express yourself and do whatever you want to do and be able to achieve uh, things without being blocked are unparalleled. The political correctness is, is, is ridiculous. I mean, it's it just going too far. Defending the ability to have crosses or Christmas decorations just is getting to a point of absurdity. When I think about uh, what was happening in Czechoslovakia at that time, there are parallels because I think anytime you start taking away people's freedom, it just goes on. And you must take guard in the early stages as opposed to wait and let it all collapse when it's too late. Nobody expected communism in Czechoslovakia when it happened, it happened. This is, I think, a great reminder, a great picture of what happens when Christians aren't involved in their country. And so this is one of the things I love about uh, Lamb and Lion and David Reagan is that everybody's not just talking about the Bible, they're actually talking about applying the Bible in our society. Uh, because if you don't, incredible evil will occur. And our founders called this our first freedom because they understood if you lose religious freedom, you'll lose all your freedoms your political freedoms. This guy in this video came up to me after a talk and he said, look, I, I'm not a person of faith like you are. He said, but I think that what you guys are doing is the most important thing anybody's doing in this country because I saw this happen in my country. They took down the religious symbols and two months later, we all lost our political freedoms. And he handed me a check for $5,000 and he said, I'm gonna be supporting you from now on. And he doesn't even know Jesus. But he understands what happens to freedom when you lose religious freedom. So this being such a core, our founders calling it our first freedom, how are we doing? Well, seven years ago, we had 47 cases. Last year, we had 447. I mean, what's happening across the country, you see it, is more hostile than probably we've ever seen. Uh, I obviously can't go through all those cases. I thought I'd just give you a few examples of some of the areas that are troublesome to me. Um, that need to be highlighted. One would be the new set of, of cases we're having to do to protect people in senior living facilities. 
Um, I mean, uh, this picture says it all. We got a picture of Donna Dunbar, what they put on, in her uh, senior center on the piano. I mean, they, they refused to allow these seniors to have a Bible study. They put a, you know, all Christian music. People think the attorneys did the sign, right? Because this is such a great piece of evidence. Um, no, this is what they did. You know, you can't, religious discrimination in housing is against the law. But this is what they did to Don. Now you think, well, that's outrageous. I can't imagine anything more outrageous. Well, you haven't met Ken Hauge. Ken Hauge is a minister, 80 years old, and a uh, retired minister. And he is living in one of these facilities. And people in these facilities, a lot of people can't leave. That, you know, they're not in a health or other situations where they can go out to a church or whatever. So a number of people came to Ken and they said, will you do a Bible study maybe once a week? And he said, sure, there's a common area room that any of us can use. I'm happy to put in to use that and I'll be happy to do that. Well, they said, well, no, you can use it, but not if you're going to do something religious like have a Bible study. And Ken was kind of shocked, uh, but he said, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just hold it in my apartment they have now sent him a letter telling him he will be evicted if he holds a Bible study in his apartment. And, uh, and so this is happening all across the country. And I, I think this is particularly, um, well, egregious. It's just horrible because you're robbing people of the ability to ever have any sort of religious meeting or service or study the rest of their lives. Many of these people can't go. And this is some, I bet everybody in here knows somebody who's in one of these facilities right now. Uh, whether your family member, your friend, we're all probably, most of us are going to be in one of these facilities someday. We've got to win this battle because this, this cannot be allowed to stand. Uh, we're in federal court on, beca- on behalf of Ken Hauge, and we're hoping to set some precedent that'll really affect the whole country. But that's just an example of the attacks. The, the second thing I'll tell you about is the attacks against uh, Jewish synagogues. We have, we have Jewish synagogues we're representing in Los Angeles, in Dallas, in New York, I mean, all across the country. And uh, I mean, you think in New York, for instance, um, they've told them, that if you use a certain percentage, this is Aramont, New York, of your home for a religious meeting, then you violate the ordinance, like 20%. And you have to count the common areas. They're literally measuring the bookcases that have religious books in their home as a way to keep the Orthodox Jews in that community from having meetings. Um, again, in Dallas, uh, we've got a Jewish synagogue. If you, if you really hate Jews and you want to get rid of Jews, one of the things you can do with Orthodox Jews is close their synagogue because they have to walk to the synagogue. And so if you, they can't have the synagogue, they have to move. So what they've done in this case, they, our clients met every health and safety code regulation, but the city still came after them. Why? Because they didn't have enough parking spaces. Okay, they're Orthodox Jews... They walk on the Sabbath, but this is why they were closing down. And again, I want you to see the picture of what they did to the rabbi's car. This is not in Germany or some other country. This is in the United States of America that we're having to defend these attacks. So it's across the country, and it's different things than we used to think of. We never used to have to think of attacks in your business because of your faith, right? Everybody's seen the crazy situation that we're fighting with the Chick-fil-A situation down in San Antonio, I think. I mean, the idea that the government is coming after a business, not because of anything the business has ever done, 
but because they found out that the Christian owners of the business have a private foundation that gave to a radical group like the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I mean, if the government can now destroy your business and not allow you to do business because they find the owners are Christian or giving to Christian causes, I mean, we've lost religious freedom as a country. And so you've all heard about Aaron and Melissa Klein, I think, uh, two of our clients, uh, Sweet Cakes. This is a, a family, a, a precious family. Uh, I mean, they, they started this business. They worked from nothing. They finally got a place. They have five beautiful children. And they had these two women come in. And they said, we want to buy baked goods from you. And this is a, a gay couple. They served them, loved them, had no problem with that. And then they said, we want you to do a custom wedding cake. And they said, well, because of our biblical beliefs, we can't, we can't celebrate things. We wouldn't do a divorce cake. We wouldn't do all kinds of things. But let us find you something where somebody will do a great job for you. And they did that. Aaron and Melissa have been through just an incredible um, five or six years. Uh, death threats on their children. Um, you know, he's having to been d doing side jobs, anything to kind of keep bread on the table. Uh, and, of course, it was not only a bad decision below, but by the Oregon Court of Appeals. It's a very liberal state, obviously. Um, the good news is three weeks ago, we got a victory at the United States Supreme Court. They reversed the decision from Oregon. And, <clears throat> and sent it back down and said, you need to reevaluate your decision in light of the masterpiece decision, which is about not being hostile to religion. And they said, we're going to give you one more shot. I'm pretty confident at this point that we're going to win this case um, and that this issue is going to be won nationally because of who's on the court now and, and how they see the Constitution and religious freedom. But uh, the good news is we vacated this horrible decision. Uh, the, it's not bad news, but the truth is now we've got some work to do. It's going to take us a couple of more years, but I'm really confident that at the end we're going to have a victory. And it, it's not just going to be a victory for the clients. It's going to be a victory for every person of faith uh, who is involved in business in this country. The last just quick clip area I'll give you is the military. Um, you know, six or so years ago, I don't think we didn't even have a, a division. We, we didn't feel like there was this great need to defend religious freedom in the military, but wow, did that change. We were having to defend chaplains, all kinds of attacks that we never imagined would be occurring within our military against those who were serving us. The idea that these people who are making these sacrifices would have their religious freedom stripped from them when that's the very thing that they rely upon uh, is, is outrageous. And, uh, but we're having to. And uh, many of you have probably heard about the Oscar Rodriguez case. Uh, Oscar is a 33-year veteran. And if you've seen the flag-folding ceremonies that occur at a lot of uh, places, private retirements, et cetera, it's where they slowly unfold the flag and then they slowly fold it back. Uh, Oscar has a speech that goes with that that's a very powerful speech. Uh, and it ends by saying, God bless our flag, God bless our troops, God bless America. And a guy asked uh, Oscar, he said, Oscar, would, would you be willing to do that at my uh, retirement ceremony? And he said, I'd be honored to. And so at this uh, Chuck Roberson's re retirement ceremony, Oscar, unbeknownst to Oscar, the colonel who leads that base, 
decided he didn't want anybody mentioning God on his base, even in their own private retirement ceremony. So as Oscar gets up, and you can look at this online sometime, go to our website or whatever, there are video cameras going in somebody's retirement ceremony, so that's the good news for us. We captured all this on video. As Oscar gets up, as the flag is being unfolded, uniformed military grab him and throw him out of the room because he's going to mention God, something I never thought I would see in my life. And uh, now the, the, uh, uh, the good news is uh, policy has been changed now to where supposedly this won't happen again, um, and it's the written policy has been changed. But uh, bad news is they're still in court arguing that uh, you shouldn't be able to bring a lawsuit if they do this to somebody because uh, there's nowhere for anybody to go uh, court-wise uh, when they violate the First Amendment in our military. Uh, so they're still defending what they did, although they're changing the policy, realizing they're in big trouble uh, because of what they did to Oscar. The newest case we have in the military is the POW-MIA table. Many of you probably have seen one of these. I think we got a picture of the of the one in our case. Um, it's, a, it's a round table with a, uh, like a flower and a place setting and a Bible. It's to represent that we're waiting for them to come back. And uh, this table was put up by a, a local POW MIA group in the local uh, VA building. And uh, a lawsuit has been filed saying that they must remove the Bible from the table. Okay, that's not just a Bible in that picture. That Bible was given to the VA group by a 95-year-old veteran who's still alive today who spent nine months in a German prisoner of war camp, and that's the Bible that got him through it. And the idea that we would have to ban Bibles from POW MIA table is just outrageous. But these are the kind of things that we're having to fight that we didn't used to. And I'll tell you, at first, the VA told them to remove the Bible. But we spent some time with them, and this was before the lawsuit was filed, and they got up to speed on the law. They realized there's nothing wrong with the Bible on the table, and they stood their ground, and now a lawsuit has been filed, and we are defending the VA group who put the display up, and our VA, the federal government, is standing up against these guys as well. So we're standing up together to fight against what they're trying to do. <clears throat> now, some of you are like, you know, I came to the Lamb and Lion Conference, and there's this depressing speaker on Friday night was talking about all these bad things. So let me tell you the good news. The good news is we have a method of dealing with these attacks, and it's not a theory. We've been doing it for a long time, and it's working. And really what it is, it's the body of Christ. And that is if you were to look at legal groups that are out there, I don't care whether they're left wing or right wing or what their issue is, they have the same model. Raise as much money as you can raise. Use that money to hire as many attorneys as you can. Put those attorneys in an office in D.C. or New York or L.A. and fly them around and cover as many of your cases as you can cover. That's not our model. Our model is there's all these people of faith who went to law school because they wanted to to make a difference. They wanted to stand for what was right. 30 years later, these are the, the best litigators at the best law firms in our country. And they've done honorable work for their clients, but they've never gotten to do a case for the kingdom. And so we go and we sit down with them and we say, look, you're one of the best of the best. If we give you everything you need, are you willing to give your time on one of these cases? They're like, sign me up. I've been waiting 35 years. 
Well, we know what's going to happen when we give them that first case. For the first time in their life, all their talent, all their gifts, all their training, everything they've learned their whole life is lined up with their faith. They've never felt that before. It's kind of unfair, but we now know we have them for the rest of their lives as one of our network attorneys. And they're the big attorneys. They give cover to the younger attorneys. They get to taste what it's like. They get permission to work. So if you were to go down the top 100 law firms in the United States, you'd find that the vast majority of those don't just donate their time. There are times they literally fight each other over who gets to donate their time on the case. The result of this is twofold. Number one, and this was my original plan, I thought, you know, we could get a lot more done if we had some of these, these people who are in the body giving their time and their talents. And uh, sure enough, average case we, we spend, for every 10,000 we spend, we get 60,000 donated. We're literally, it's like God's multiplying the fish and the loaves. It's a six to one multiplication of God's resources with God's people. Uh, so it's incredible what we can accomplish through the body of Christ. What I did not count on was the win-loss ratio. If you watch nonprofit groups, they're fighting big monsters, the government, everything else. They maybe win 30% of their cases if they're good. Um, our win right now for 18 years in a row has been above 90% every year, every year. And that's because of the body of Christ. I mean, if if we have a case in, you know, Montana, our attorney lives in Montana. He's from the biggest law firm in Montana. He's one of the best lawyers in Montana. And when he walks into court and looks at the judge, they grew up in elementary school together. They lost a tooth together in first grade. And then the ACLU guy flies in from New York City or Los Angeles. Well, you know what? He's playing an away game. He doesn't know the jury. He doesn't know the community. And so if you look at how major corporations do their work, I mean, it's exactly our model. I mean, if you're a Ford Motor Company in Detroit, Michigan, do you send your Detroit attorneys to Texas to defend you in a lawsuit? No, you do not. You get a Texas law firm to go in that court who knows the practice, who knows the jury, who knows the community. Well, folks, that's all the time we have this week for Kelly's outstanding presentation. But the Lord willing, we will continue with it next week because in the second half of it, Kelly shared some very positive and encouraging news about recent major court triumphs in behalf of religious liberty. And so, until next week, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Folks, I am delighted to announce that the video album of our 2019 Bible Conference is now available for distribution. The theme of the conference was Contending for the Faith. The album contains three DVD discs and they in turn contain all six of the presentations that were made at the conference, most of which run 50 minutes in length. Kelly Shackelford, the founder and president of First Liberty Institute, kicked off the conference by providing an update on the legal fight for Christian liberties. His law firm is the largest in the nation that is solely dedicated to the defense of religious freedom. He was followed by Mike Riddle, one of Christendom's foremost creation speakers who spoke on defending the Genesis account of creation. Next was Mike Gendron, an expert on Christian doctrine. He presented a challenging sermon on defending the integrity of the Bible and the gospel. Dr. Ron Rhodes, one of the most prolific authors on the scene today, spoke on defending the promise of the Lord's return. Eric Barger, who heads up a discernment ministry called Take a Stand, spoke about defending the church against apostasy. 
The last presentation on the album is one that I made that was titled Defending the Divinity of Jesus. One of the three DVDs in the album also contains a printable file of a special publication I prepared for the conference about the divinity of Jesus. To order a copy of the album, call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at the address on the screen. If you call, please call Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 